0: this is the frontier podcast powered by gun.io the engineer's choice for engineering talent if you like what you hear rate review and subscribe and follow us on twitter at the frontier pod When you reach an executive position, you need to understand all of the functions of the business. That's especially true when you grow out of a purely technical role. Your view needs to expand from the project context to the overall business context. That's been the experience of Cheetah Lau, EVP of operations at Allied Administrators, a leader in the benefits administration field. The firm's primary objective is a five star customer service, which from an operations standpoint touches internal and external software systems, data privacy, and even UX. Cheetah and Ledge discuss when and how to decide the work you should do in house versus using external partners, and how to attract and retain excellent staff when you don't work in the latest and greatest startup.
1: Cheetah, welcome. It's really good to have you on.
0: Well,
2: thank you so much for having me, David.
1: So can you give your, you know, two or three minute background history story about you and your work that the listeners get to know you a little bit before we jump in?
2: Oh, wow, it just put me on the spot. Uh, certainly, we can cover that. i um, been in technology for about um, 15 or so years and uh, always enjoyed um, doing everything from um, hands-on coding to working with the project managers uh, working with clients and asking them from um, asking them for the for their uh, scope and requirements um, and then now I find myself as an executive vice president of operations with allied administrators and they are focused um, on the, they're the industry leader in delivering benefit plan administration services and is recognized for providing five star customer service so i'm happy to be They're EVP of operations and handling technology as well.
1: So what's that look like on the executive side now? You know, handling technology, like a super broad kind of space there. I mean, you know, and you have the development background, so you've done some engineering. Um, How does that all play up the chain to, you know, EVP land?
2: Quite different, quite different, because um, being hands-on and then now having to have the helicopter view, um, you really have to understand all aspects of the business. You know, before, when when I first started out my career, it was very focused on um, just projects alone. But now we have to look at, um, not only the project side of things, but how it impacts overall business, including the security aspect, which is very, very huge, especially in, in, in my field and in, in my area.
1: Sure. Yeah. Security. And, and also I imagine P and L responsibility, which is a thing that doesn't often come down to the, you know, software development level. So now you need to think about, you know, um, uh, impacts on customers impacts on the business itself you know how mm-hmm. does all the product roll up to you know the customer experience and uh, and you talked about customer service how does the technology arm that
2: oh you really nailed it when you said you know focusing on the customer side of things because that's really really important that's one of the drivers that um, keep a business in keep a business up and running right um Technology side of things really help that that side because we have to look at not only the um, application that are used internally and making sure that's secure um, so that people could perform their, their job function and be able to um, provide that five-star level customer service that I was talking to you about. Um, but we also have to look at how to please the customer with the latest innovation. Um, mobile has become a very uh, important aspect in all of the, the road map, you know, getting our um, uh, product out there where it's easy, simple to use, and yet stay competitive with the rest of, of our um, competitors.
1: And do you do your own software development in-house with your with your own staff then?
2: we we do we we certainly um, have um, an in-house development that we also use um, we also outsource we know the importance of of growth and maintaining growth and hitting deadlines um, The advantage of having um, developers in-house is that you have a little bit more control when it comes to the timeline um, and and also understanding a certain certain developers' personalities, how they work, really help guide a project um, into the the, the right um, deliverables. Outsourcing is very important as well. You know, we, we talked a little bit about freelancing and things like that and the importance and the value that it provides to um, um, customers like, like me. And the reason for that is because uh, when we're tied up, when developers in-house are tied up with projects that are of high priority, it's really, really hard to pull that resource away from that particular project. They start the project, they know everything inside and out, they scope the project, and it's really difficult just to hand off that code to another programmer and expect them to um, learn and know th- how they wrote the code um et etc cetera, et cetera. but when you have another project that's also very important that's where the outsourcing becomes very very valuable
1: and that's the thing that comes up a lot with our clients is trying to decide i don't know maybe i've got a 20 member engineering team and they're working on two or three different scrum teams and now i need to decide you know how and where i can segment out certain work that makes sense to have maybe a freelancer or you know outsourced outsource partner work on how do you make strategically those determinations what work is is just core and that you want to have in house versus some of the other work maybe that you can support with a vendor relationship
2: mm-hmm. Well, a lot of it has to do with the security aspect of it. Um, If there's things that we are held accountable for, making sure that we safeguard our um, client's information, and um, PII is something that's really important as well, and EPI, EPHI, and um, all all of that data, you know, whether it's in the health industry or, or other industry, Um, really helps drive that decision. Because the more that you have data being transferred or shared, the more risk you are introducing. And so um, what drives the decision uh, in my industry and in my um, company is how much information do we really need to share? If it a lot and we need to give access to a developer to handle it, well, maybe that project has to stay in-house. Whereas um, if we have a website that's launching and we only need to change um, certain functionality and the web developers can handle that without having access to um, cer- certain critical um, servers, then definitely you know, that would be the way that we would handle it.
1: How are you handling cloud strategy in in your industry where security is is so important? Is it uh, largely on-prem still, or is there a a public cloud or a hybrid Mm -hmm. model?
2: It's a hybrid model. Um, If you had asked me this question about 10, maybe even five years ago, I I would tell you it's still really very, very raw. um, And a lot of, there's still a lot of distrust Um, in there. But now because of the level of emphasis that's put on um, security and and making sure that um, not just a security standpoint, but from redundancy as well, because of course, you know, that impacts um, the business as well. um, If you take a look at, at those things, where the industry is starting to slowly move to, to the cloud whether it be AWS or Microsoft um, Azure those things are being taken a look at now from from um, um, you know server standpoint
1: So we've got security we've got you know the potential for cloud adoption or hybrid uh, adoption. what are some of the, the really big speed bumps you know the really difficult areas that that your technology org needs to solve?
2: Yeah, before we actually move straight to the cloud?
1: Well, right. Yeah, before. I mean, <laughs> in, in general, you know, I just wonder what are you up against, um, you know, because I think sometimes we can get down in the weeds and we can talk about the details of technology and other times we can go way up in the strategy realm. Uh-huh. Uh, but you run Ops and Ops means that real things happen in real contexts for business. Mm-hmm. What do those challenges really look like? Because that's actually the place where the rubber hits the road.
2: Yeah. For for our industry, it really does – it has to do a lot with the security aspect of it. Because when I walk in to um, a project committee and introduce um, projects and say, okay, we are looking into cloud, the first question that we get is, okay, are we moving to – AWS or Microsoft Azure, or do we have a different cloud provider? IBM has their own solution as well. And how do we migrate all of that information over there? Um, they always like, executives always like to hone in on what type of services do you provide and what type of Certification does that particular cloud um, provider provide to us? Um, and as soon as they see the paperwork, so I'm not just talking about having um, HIPAA compliance or um, having um, PCI compliant. Um, there's a lot of certification out out there, but nowadays is trying to figure out what we really need as a business to ensure that that data is truly. Protect it because there's so many different things, so many different configurations that you can have up there that you really need to have a solid um, thought through path to make sure that you can evolve as well because you also don't want to restrict yourself. Um, so, I what it comes down to, David, is um, we really want to know what are those um what are those gray areas and if we don't know what they are and we can't answer those questions that's where that's where we we just stop you know and that's where the the we, we just have that bumper in the way
1: yeah you must have some kind of heuristics to measure risk then you know is that how you you think about it it can't be entirely qualitative in that assessment then? Uh, do you have some kind of tools that you use to figure out your unknown unknowns? Because those are going to be your risk areas that are very potentially expensive.
2: Very, very expensive. And and we're not using any particular um, tool right now. And that's probably what we need in order to make decisions to move forward. But there's so many tools out there how, how do you pick? How do you choose? So there's a lot of research that's involved in that as well. And then it comes back down to um, time and resources and how does that priority fit in with the rest of the priorities that have a higher business or positive business impact, right, pulling in that, that positive um, um, revenue.
1: So you're an executive in a company in an industry that would not be listed as, you know, sort of the bleeding edge of technology, you know, and yet I believe there's probably some really interesting things happening there. From a recruiting standpoint, uh, what are you putting out there for, you know, developers and architects and and technology uh, providers to, you know, say, hey, this is a really interesting place to work and we're working on really interesting problems? Is it largely around security or, you know, how do you, um, how are you attracting people so they don't, you know, go work for the next flashy tech startup?
2: Yeah, that that is a really, really good question. And um, what we offer the, the next leaders, that's what I like to call them, um, is that it is quite a different industry. Um, we run like a startup though we're, we're very very agile which i um really really um, uh, you know like to point out uh, but to attract new people um new talent to come into our office um what i what i say to them is that it's a very very stable industry so if you're looking for stability then this would be the right place for you and, and we're always um, looking at at new things. Um, we just spoke about cloud. You know, if you talk to some of my colleagues who are in the same industry, they'll probably say that's not even on my, my roadmap. And we like to go out and do research on how to make our business better, whether it be in security, whether it be in you know, um, having a hybrid configuration, looking at infrastructure, looking at the operation side of things. the the talent that would come and join us would touch all of those aspects. Whereas if you go to a larger company, you wouldn't have that level of experience of being able to touch upon customer service, touch upon operations, um, et cetera, et cetera, and doing product development um, as well. Uh, With regards to startup, startup is a little bit unstable, right? Um, yeah. How long would you last there is the question I, w- I would normally ask. If, if, you're, if you are someone that loves to jump around and, loves to, to, um, and, and is driven, and it's okay to work 24-7. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But in a startup, that is the expectation.
1: Thank you for those insights. It's always cool to talk to people who are working in, you know, what you might call the traditional industries, but yet doing things that are are more innovative and agile. Because I think legacy technology and organizations don't get the nod that they deserve often for, you know, being innovative in spaces that are actually making a tremendous impact, um, you know, as opposed to maybe something that would be more on the consumer side or you know more ephemeral like you're you're uh-huh. moving critical information and you need to do it carefully so right right yeah, thank you so Absolutely. much for your uh, your input and your your insights today really good to have you on
2: yeah i appreciate it thank you so much thanks for listening to the frontier podcast produced by gun.io we're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers
1: head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.